Let's stand in honor of God's word. Psalm 25. Psalm 25. <clears throat> We're going to read the psalm, and let me encourage you to pay attention uh, here as we do, obviously, as you always do, uh, to pay attention to what we're reading. And But look as we do, look for David's uh, reference to basically these three things. I think it'll help your reading if you, you're looking for the need that he had for guidance, the help that he needed because of enemies that were there around him. Uh, so the need for guidance and the need... Uh, there because of the enemies. And for the life of me, I'm forgetting the third one right now, but we'll come, we'll come to it. I'm sure it's in the Bible. <laughs> VBS. Okay. But David is explaining this by VBS praying. It'll come to me as we read. Okay. So anyways, all right. forgiveness. There it is. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. <laughs> We need help recognizing that we're wrong. So how fitting. So, okay, that's, that's good. Yeah, so forgiveness we need, guidance we need, and then we have, we have opposition. We have uh, difficult people that we deal with as people. So let's look at the text now. Thank you, Lord, for the help there and the reminder, right? All right, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let, not, let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. You see it? Verse number five. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation, on thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Verse 12. Maybe read it with me if you would, please. Verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. What a great verse. Let's read the rest of the psalm. <clears throat> his soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed, there's his children, his seed, his offspring, shall inherit the earth or inherit the land, the earth as it is here. The secret of the Lord is with them that what? Fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck me, pluck my feet out of the net, 
Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Look, uh, sorry, verse 19. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they that hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Remember Israel, O God. I'm sorry, verse 22. Redeem, rather, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. I wonder if it would be too much license to take to say, redeem America, O God. I don't think it'd be too much license to take. I realize the word here pertaining to Israel, but uh, I'm concerned about our country, aren't you? Redeem America, O God, out of all his troubles. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. So here this morning is our title, A Man Who Fears the Lord. A Father's Day message that applies to everybody here. A person that fears the Lord. But let me, let me preach a little while with God's help about a man who fears the Lord. We need a revival of men who will fear God. Yeah, may God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You may be seated. Our theme this year, as we've emphasized along the way in our Bible school, has made the effort to bear out. In fact, I think you're really going to enjoy hearing the kids sing, not just verse 8, but also verses around it. Uh, but our theme this year, for those that are guests, is out of Psalm 33 and verse number 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the earth, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world. And our theme is stand in awe. Stand in awe of Him. And our, our text highlights that. What man is he that feareth the Lord? That's what drew my, drew my attention to it is months back, we we're thinking about uh, a gift for Mother's Day and a gift for Father's Day. And, and we talked um, on Mother's Day, if you remember, uh, about a month ago about the worth of a woman who fears the Lord. The worth of a woman, Psalm, oh, sorry, Proverbs 31, but also 1 Peter chapter number three talks about the fear of God in a, in a woman and and that uh, beauty is deceitful or favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And, and so here we have, what man is he that feareth the Lord? What man? What man? It, it, indicating it's available to all. What man or who? What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. A culture, our culture, has its standard of masculinity. And God has his standard but the two are not necessarily the same. Culture has its standard and God has his standard of manliness and the two are not the same. Our culture is bombarded with everything from effeminate men, effeminate men on modern sitcoms. Uh, we have everything from effeminate men, which by the way, I believe God intends us to be manly men. For sure, manly men, not effeminate men. Uh, we have everything from effeminate men to heavy bearded men who shoot shotguns and blow up stuff using Tannerite exploding targets. So, yeah. 
I am against effeminate men, or being effeminate as a man, I'm not, for the record, not against long beards nor Tannerite. So anyway, just in case you're wondering where I stand on that. But we hear uh, statements like this, uh, real men never read instructions. <laughs> Some of us have lived up to that, right? Real men barbecue, real men drink coffee straight, Real men show off their injuries. Real men don't eat quiche. <laughs> Real men don't call for a fair catch. <laughs> Just take the hit. <laughs> Real men, someone said, only need three things to survive. Duct tape, WD-40, and a good dog. That's all you need. Yeah. There you go. Culture... Culture tends to emphasize external strength and good looks and has products, videos, podcasts, books, models, clothing lines to try to attain that external strength and good look. But it's all external and it's only temporary. God and his standard of biblical masculinity is internal and has connection to eternal values. Our culture often emphasizes guts and glory. God emphasizes godliness. Godliness. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think David, as a warrior, was a manly man. I mean, taking down Goliath, but he did that by God's strength. Uh, David was a warrior and others in the Bible were obviously warriors. I mean, you read the, the mighty men of David. I love it. Now, when we first meet them in 1 Samuel 23, they, are, they say, we'd be afraid here uh, in this area, let alone in, a, in the cave of Adullah. How much more if we go there? But in 2 Samuel 23, the, the, the ones that were once afraid and frightened were now the mighty men of David. And they chased down a lion. One of them did. Chased down a lion and ran him into a pit on a snowy day and killed him. I would run from a lion on any day, but let alone try to chase down a lion on a snowy day and get him in a pit and kill him. I mean, that's a mighty man. So the Bible, the Bible portrays men as, as strong and, and heroic and brave and, and all those things. But, but also, um, I think we are reading the psalm here of a, of a man named David who was a musician. Hey, by the way, those that are involved in music and are men, they can be manly men. Somebody say amen right there. Thank God for the men that are music majors. Thought I'd put a plug out there. We need congregational song leaders. We need men that can lead choirs. And I mean, we got a good one. I'm not saying we need a new one. I'm just simply saying that. <laughs> I'm just simply saying here we have a warrior named David who is also an incredible musician and, and man who wrote psalms. I realize he had the help of inspiration. But, but anyways, I'm just trying to simply say David knew what it was to um, be a man of valor and heroics. But he also knew what it was to struggle and to, and, and to have a hard time. And, and here's what I want to do today with God's help. Just be real about being a man. Because sometimes we kind of we uh, bolster ourselves up and, and think, well, we can handle this. But, you know, we're reading the words of a man who says, deliver me, O God. 
Help me, God. I don't know what to do. Oh, guide me, oh God. Show me thy path. Dear Lord, I need your help. But sometimes society and culture says, hey, real men don't cry. Real men just kind of, uh, they, they, they uh, you know, suck up the blood and spit it out and go on. You know, they're, they're men of grit. And, but listen, real men hurt. Real men struggle, real men cry, real men have a difficult time. And I'm so thankful that God records all this for us. The, the psalm uh, pictures life as a difficult journey, Warren Wiersbe said, that we can successfully make only with God's help, not by ourselves. Another individual said this about this particular psalm as we, as we begin to give attention to it. John Phillips said the underlying theme of this psalm is guidance. David's circumstances are dire. Did you catch that as we read? His circumstances are dire. He hardly knows which way to turn, so he turns to God. He hardly knows which way to turn, so he turns to God. Abraham Lincoln, he said this, I have often been driven to God by the overwhelming sense that I had nowhere else to go. I've often been driven to God by the overwhelming sense that I had nowhere else to go. The psalm, as we indicated, uh, it portrays the need for God's deliverance and from enemies, overcoming guilt and regret for sin, and the need for God's guidance and leadership. So we've got guilt and guidance and uh, the enemies there, I was trying to think of what word, you know, I don't alliterate a whole lot, but it kind of got on a roll. As men, we start with guilt. We need God's guidance and we got, we got enemies. So I've been in Bible school all week, so I think of goons. So we got guilt, goons, and a need for guidance, right? And bad guys. <laughs> but it's real, isn't it? David wanted to be in God's will, but he struggled to get there. I wonder if I'm preaching to any other men that would say, identify with that right there. I want to be in God's will, but I struggle to get there. This psalm actually, as you notice, is 22 verses long. It's an acrostic psalm using the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph to Tau. So just like Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman, Aleph to Tau, A to Z, we would say. It's the virtues of a man that seeks the Lord, that doesn't have everything perfect, but he wants to do God's will. Now, it's not a perfect acrostic, and I'm not sure as to why. Some of the letters are uh, either missing or out of, out, of, uh, out of sync, but most of them you'll just go right through it. But it is, it is one of the acrostic psalms that are in Scripture to try to organize a thought that is here. But there's definitely this. There's on one hand a man that wants to fear God but also, on the other hand, a man that is struggling and, and, and having a difficulty. And, and I would say today that you would agree with this, as you already have at the very beginning of the message. We're in great need in our culture today of men who know what it is to fear God, to fear the Lord. I just met yesterday with a, with a gentleman, a young man. I say young man, he's younger than I am. So anyways, we had coffee together. And uh, he doesn't go to church here, so uh, it's not anybody here in case you're trying to figure out who was it. But um, he grew up in a rough background. His dad wasn't really in the picture. His mom was a pretty, pretty tough lady on him, and they didn't really have a good relationship. Um, 
And he said this, you know, I'm, I'm burdened because he did some of these statistical studies and he identified this. As far as people that stay in church, six out of 10 who have parents, both parents are in church, stay in church, six out of 10. If it's just the mom that's trying to keep the family in church, it goes down to four out of 10. If neither parent are in church, it's down to one out of 10. He was in that one out of 10. There's a need today. A great need. Those of you that are parents, you're trying to raise kids and you got them in church. Thank God for that. Those of you that are a single mom or a single dad or you're married, but maybe you're the only one here and you're trying to keep your kids in church. Thank God for you. I'm here because a mom kept me in church. <laughs> I'm glad my dad eventually uh, he was saved, but he just he wasn't raised in church. He had a rough upbringing. Uh, his family wasn't in church. He didn't know things about church. Uh, told the new members class that my dad's brother, Uncle Walter, to me, Got in a lot of trouble. The only thing he knew about honor was yes, your honor and no, your honor and yes, your honor and no, your honor. And was 19 in the ninth grade. I mean, he was in a lot of trouble, but God saved him and called him to preach. Thank God for that. My dad didn't grow up in church, but I had a mom that kept me in church. And I'm glad that my dad eventually uh, did join Grace Baptist Church. And he walked the aisle. I was preaching a youth, youth rally one night. And on a Friday night, my dad walked the aisle and joined Grace Baptist Church after visiting there for 25 years. He said, I just wanted to make sure this was a good church. So he, he did his due diligence. Love my dad. <laughs> He's in heaven now. Some of your dads are in heaven now. If your dad's here, you ought to thank God for it. I believe we're in a crisis in America and a great need for biblical masculinity. I've shared this quote before. In fact, I've shared some of these thoughts before with our church family, but it's not like the need has changed. So I'm just going to share some of it again because it's much of my heart. and It certainly has to do with our psalm here today. But in 1980, James Dobson, who's, you know, is involved in the focus on the family and, and now a different ministry. But nonetheless, we would still associate him that way. It certainly was in 1980. He wrote this in 1980. Listen to it and see if it has any bearing on our time when he wrote this. The Western world in which we live, the Western world stands at a great crossroads in its history. It is my opinion that our very survival as a people will depend upon the presence or absence of masculine leadership in homes. I believe, he says, with everything in me, that husbands hold the keys to the preservation of the family. 1980, we were at a major crossroads. Well, what direction did our country take? Kids need parents who fear the Lord. I think we are seeing, even in our effort to bring kids, even by bus. By the way, those that are brought by parents, they got a sin nature too. I had just as much a sin nature as some of the kids that I sat beside in church that came by bus. I was just as sinful as they were. I just knew how to hide it. And I knew what would happen had my mom got called out of the auditorium to deal with me. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. So everybody's got a sin nature. But I believe what we're seeing as we're dealing with more problems here than probably we have in many, many years at Southwest Baptist Church and the level of the problems. That, the level of the problems is really not anything new. The age of the child is new. That now we have uh, 
you know, a, a police officer that we, uh, that is uh, paid here and, and is on duty just for our safety. I thank God for that. But sometimes we have to get them involved with kids. And sometimes it's not just the teenagers, but it's the third graders. There's a lack of fear of God in third graders. There's a lack of respect in third graders. But I'm here to tell you that, that even this week, uh, really kids sat in this assembly. And while there was a lot of energy in here, there was also, they were listening and it, Angie was sharing with me that she was visiting with a lady that's here. And I, I didn't have liberty to, to mention the name, so I'm not going to, but they're involved in the public school systems. And, and the individual was just absolutely amazed that you could get this, get this many kids. We had over 800, I guess, uh, every day, uh, somewhere right in there. And they were in assemblies, either here or upstairs. And they sat here or they listened to a message and they were in assembly. They, she indicated that we don't do that anymore because it's too chaotic. But I'm telling you, kids will respond to structure. Kids want structure. Uh, one of the police officers here, I just walked up the stairs with him and he said, you know what, actually it was a pretty good week overall. We didn't have a whole lot of trouble, a lot of kids. He said, I had one kid. And, but, he, but he said this, he said, here's how my approach is with these little ones. He says, um, if he has one that's having a hard time, he says, is this your first time here? And if they say, no, it's not my first time here, and then, then he would indicate that, well, you know, you know how things go here and, and what the structure is. And so tell me what, what's going on in your heart and just listens to them. You know, sometimes a child just needs us to listen. But they need that structure. I remember uh, speaking with someone that works in a, in a boy's home and, and, um, and they said this, the first two weeks is very chaotic uh, because boys are coming in and their lives are just out of, out of, out of um, control. But within two weeks, they at least conform to the outward standard that's there. So then we can begin to speak to the heart. Kids need structure. Kids need structure. Kids need to be around people that, that fear the Lord. But masculinity is in crisis in America because scripture has been abandoned. And when scripture is abandoned, then the fear of God is gone. Let me run that by you one more time. When scripture is gone, when scripture is no longer influencing our thinking, then you have no more fear of God. And if you have no more fear of God and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then watch this. If there's no fear of God, there's no knowledge. If there's no knowledge, there's no wisdom. Wisdom is a skill for living. People don't know how to live because they don't know what it is to fear God. So we're not going to see... We're not going to see order in our society until we get back to the Bible so that we get a healthy fear of God. So then we can have the knowledge of the Lord and apply it in our lives and have wisdom. That's really how it works. Our effort this week has been emphasizing, you know, the biblical account of creation. And I'll never forget going to the Creation Museum. I'm going to encourage you, if you ever get an opportunity to go either to the Creation Museum or the Ark Encounter in the, uh, basically the uh, Kentucky, Ohio area. It is fantastic. Well worth your time. Wish we could load everybody up and just go. But that Creation Museum kind of takes you through a maze. And, and the first part of the maze is like you're in an archaeological dig, much like the men's advance has a maze, you know, as they're trying to drive home their content and what they're trying to get across to us as men. Well, the, the, uh, the Creation Museum, it does exactly the same. And, and, and it presents this question as far as starting points. Which do we start with? How did we get here? Why is everything like it is? Do we go with what God has revealed by way of revelation or do we go with our reason? you got those two choices, dear friend. Either you're going to go with what God has said or you're going to reason. You're going to reason and try to figure out from what you see, how did we get here? It's either way, either way, you weren't there. Either way, you weren't there. You weren't at, you weren't at the place when all this began. So who should you go with? 
Somebody that was there when it happened or somebody that wasn't there when it happened? I'm going to go with somebody that was there when it happened. And the only one who was there when it happened is God Almighty. And he said that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So since God was there, we need to go with what God said. We did a little exercise in the class that I was privileged to teach and, and ask Elijah Raphael to step outside the classroom while I had another young man designated on the inside of the classroom. And I said, okay, okay, class, now we're going to do some things while Elijah is gone. He's not going to see what's happening here. So what do you want to do? So the boys all switched chairs. And then they said, let's eat the donuts. And I don't know whose class that was, so I owe somebody about four donuts actually, but they ate the donuts and the white powdered donuts, you know, and, and then I said, okay, now let's all do jumping jacks. So we all did 10 jumping jacks. And then we brought Elijah back in the room. We said, okay, Elijah, what happened in here? Well, he wasn't there to see it, but he said, um, you changed chairs. I said, that's right. You could observe it. There's evidence that there was some people changing chairs. What else? Hmm. I don't know, and, and one boy held up his fingers because he had the white dust from the donuts. <laughs> you ate donuts. And I said, okay, Elijah, tell us how many ate donuts. He said, uh, I don't know. And, and he couldn't tell. But I asked the other young man that was the other person designated there. He said, four ate donuts. I said three, but he said no four. So he was watching better than I, okay? <laughs> four people ate donuts. And then I asked Elijah, what else should we do? And he says, I, I really don't know. I wasn't here. And the other young man said, well, you did jumping jacks. Everybody did 10. You know, you know the difference between that? The difference there is that this individual was there when it happened. This individual, although he could come in and see some evidence of what's going on, and listen, try to figure out what's happened here. He could see that they had changed chairs, and he could see and maybe even smell donuts. But, he, but the fact is, he wasn't there when it happened. And listen, the smartest scientist that's upon the face of this earth was not there when it happened, but God Almighty was there when it happened, and he spoke the world into existence, created this wonderful world in which we live, and he created male, and he created female, and that's what God said. I'm going to go with what God said because he was there when it happened. The rest of us were not. We can look around and try to figure things out, but you're going to come up with some weird things, whacked out things away from that Bible. You'll come up with things like this. This gas was there, and there was this big explosion, and these dust particles began to go out into space, and they went into orbit, and then they began to clang into one another, and they formed planets, and then stars, and et cetera, et cetera. How'd you get the water there? Because last time I threw a dirt clod at my brother out in the garden of my grandparents, I'm not bragging on that. I'm just simply saying that I did. It didn't have a whole lot of water to it. And when it hit, it didn't really, it wasn't like a water balloon. It was dust. It was dirt. Are you following what I'm saying? It breaks down. The evidence doesn't match the Big Bang Theory. The evidence doesn't match evolution, but the evidence all points to what the Bible says by way of biblical creation. And so what we ought to do is just go with what God said. Okay, now I didn't honestly really mean to get off on all that, but we really need that because listen, we're not going to have the fear of God in our land if we think we came from primates. It's no wonder that people act the way that they do if you don't think that you have meaning, you don't think that you have purpose, and you don't think you have purpose or place here on this earth. No, you are not the result of some random and chance. No, you are specifically designed by God and thus he has expectations of you. Now you boil it down, that's why a lot of people deny that there's a God because they don't want to acknowledge there's a God because if there is a God and he has laws and I'm breaking them, then I'm in a heap of trouble. 
try my best to get to our scripture here this morning, but we need people that fear the Lord. We need dads who fear the Lord. Because I'll tell you what happens when men don't fear the Lord. The men of Noah's day did not fear the Lord and thus they weren't providing the leadership in their families that they should have been. Hang on, I want to make sure everybody's listening right here before we move on. Because gentlemen, listen, the way you lead your family, either in the fear of God or absent of the fear of God, has an impact on their lives. The confusion at the Tower of Babel was a result of people that did not fear the Lord. And the confusion that can fill your home can be the result of you not fearing the Lord and applying the fear of the Lord to your home. The, the Isaac, uh, Isaac and, and Rebecca, as he chose to try to bless his son Esau because he liked his smoked meat. Listen, I'm telling you, friend, he wasn't living in the fear of God and it split their family up. The book of Judges. You want to see what happens when the fear of God is absent from a society? Just read the book of Judges. There's no fear of God in their eyes. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Eli's sons. Hang on just a minute. Even the preacher's son, we might say. Eli's sons. Eli had his own issues, but Hophni and Phinehas, at a time when the nation desperately needed some men to rise up and be the men of God, they were not in the fear of God and they did what they wanted to. Right now we're at a time, listen gentlemen, please let me, let me just preach to you here straight and, and just tell you like it is really here this morning on this Father's Day. And I'm saying, Happy Father's Day, now get with it. Happy Father's Day, but get with it. Because you're affecting your family and at a time when our nation desperately needs to see what does a man look like that fears the Lord? What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he should choose. But if you don't fear God, you're going your own way. And at a time when you need to stand up and be the man that God wants you to be, you're doing your own thing. You say, this is where this Father's Day's message goes south. No, not actually. This is where this Father's Day's message can actually be a great help and result in a great Father's Day because if you get right with God, friend, listen, and you get back into fearing God, I'm telling you, that'll revolutionize your family. History records what happens when men get away from the Bible and, they, and thus get away from the, from the fear of God. I mean, I mean to tell you, when you get away, and as they did during the time of the French Revolution, I mean, you just compare here for just a second, you just compare the American Revolution to the French Revolution, and the American Revolution was based on the Bible, and, and, and we are Americans in many ways, and the principles that we live by are coming right here out of this book. But you look at the French Revolution, the chaos that ensued. The mayhem that ensued, the brutality that ensued, my soul, friend. And listen, when, when Germany got away from the Bible and, and men like Hitler rose up and abused the scriptures and abused the Bible and abused and just threw out the thinking about God, and listen, you see the atrocities that have taken place. And even within our own country, as we got away from God during the 1950s and the 1960s and the 1970s and the 1980s and 90s and so forth, and we were lacking the fear of God, look at how the decline on morality has gone. Look at how the decline on life has gone. Would you listen just a moment? When a culture gets away from Scripture and thus away from the fear of God, they don't know how to live. So what do we need? I'll tell you what we need is we need to get back to the Bible. Back to fearing God. Because in, in churches, listen to this just a minute here. Uh, I'm just about to the message, you'll be glad to know. <laughs> Scripture abandoned in culture leads to relative morality, hopelessness, and meaninglessness. Scripture compromise, hang on just a minute. Scripture compromise in the church leads to Scripture being abandoned in the home. When the man of God 
supposed man of God stands up here and says, you know, I'm not really sure this is God's word. That's compromising the word of God in the pulpit or in the, in the church. So don't be surprised that people abandon the Bible in the home. Thus, as a result of that, Young people playing violent video games, looking at pornography online, girls talking on the cell phone with their other girlfriend about running away from home and women criticizing their husbands about over at work and different things. That's, I'm, just, I'm actually portraying for you what, what uh, the Creation Museum portrays as to what happens when we depart from the fear of God. Now, a man who fears the Lord is a man who learns how to live. I'm gonna run that by you one more time. A man who fears the Lord is a man who learns how to live. A woman that fears the Lord is a woman that learns how to live. A child that fears the Lord is a child that learns how to live. I mean, this Bible emphasizes the fear of God. I've got many verses here that I'm not necessarily going to go over. I think you've got it basically here, and, I, and most of it has come out even in the preaching. But basically, this is the idea. If, if we fear the Lord, then we have the skill of living. And that's why David says here, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. You say, Preacher, I'm with you 100%. I believe we need a revival of godly men. I believe we need a revival of the fear of the Lord. Is everybody agreed on that? Or have we preached 45 minutes on that enough to make it clear? We need a revival of men that fear the Lord. But there may be one, of, one of, or many men here today that say, look, I'm not a perfect man. I, I could never be like a David. I could never be like some of the men in this church. Do you realize that the men in this church, including your pastor, struggles? Do you realize that David was a sinner? Do you realize he got in such a backslidden state that he went to live with the Philistines? Do you realize he got in such a backslidden state that he committed adultery? And yet he still wrote, maybe even at this time or after that sin with Bathsheba, I don't know, but you can see he had some regrets right here. He was carrying some guilt. Men, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't, and, and this applies to ladies as well. Don't give up and say, oh, what's the use? I'll never be able to anyways. Cry out to God. Ask God to help you. That's what David's doing right here. Forgive me of mine iniquity, O God. Purge me and all these things that he said. I'm not going to take time to walk back through the psalm. I think that you caught it as we, as we were reading, but he was dealing with real sin, real guilt, real regret, and yet he found the mercy of God, the long-suffering of God, the goodness of God that brought him to repentance. And if today you say, I'm too, good, I'm too much of a sinner for God to use me, I, I don't think I could ever be one of those men that fear the Lord. Oh, listen, friend, you're deceiving yourself, and sin is causing you to think that, listen, the Savior came to save you and he can save you and change you, dear friend. You could be a man that honors God with your life and loves your wife and loves your kids and leads your family in a godly way. Don't give up. Boy, I got some help right here in this chapter. Because we don't have to be perfect men 
to follow a perfect, holy God. Don't give up. You might say, I would be a man that fears the Lord, but preacher, I mean, it's one thing you're in that office all week long studying the Bible and, and here working with the church staff and they're all godly men, but you don't know what it's like living out there in the real world where there's real pressures. And I know I, I get it. I understand that. And I thank God I get to work with these men and they're God, they are indeed godly men. And uh, I haven't heard one of them use foul language. That's a real blessing. I'm just thankful to God for that. And, and, and they, have, they have been where they ought to be. I'm just simply saying to you, I get it. I understand. But I know what it's like working at O'Reilly's in the warehouse and working around people that are ungodly and they're living out there in the world. I understand what it's like living and working in those situations, but listen, all of us really have enemies. And there is pressure from society and there are times that you feel all alone and there are times that you feel very afflicted and there are times that the troubles of your heart are enlarged like David said in verse number 17. But listen, don't, don't, don't think here today that you're alone. What you need to do is cry out to God and let God help you. You might say, look, I don't, know, I don't know what to do as a leader. I'm not real clear on how to lead. I don't know how to do this. I'm with you 100% preacher on, on leading my family and being a godly man and fearing the Lord, but I have no idea. I didn't really have a dad that led me in that way. And, and, and um, I, I, just, I just don't know where to start. You know what? You sound like David because he needed help. He said, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me in thy paths. Lead me in the right place. Lord, uh, show me what to do. And I, I love the words of Jehoshaphat as he said, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. You know how many times, even as a dad, I say, God, I don't know what to do, but would you help me right here? I thank God that he comes through and helps. In light of this, what kind of man do you need to be? Well, be a Godward man. A Godward man. Orient your life towards God. My eyes, he says, shall ever be towards the Lord. A teachable man. Show me, teach me. Did you see how many times he said that? Men and ladies alike. Let, let's be teachable. Show me, teach me. Point me in the right direction, dear God. I want to go in the right way. A forgiven man. A forgiven man. A forgiven woman. When we walk in that fear of the Lord, notice what happens. Verse 12, we get guidance. Verse 13, look at it. He, he, his soul shall dwell at ease. You know what that means? It literally is this. He'll live in what's good. He'll live in what's good. He dwells in the good. And he has an impact on his kids, his descendants. You know how many times the Bible emphasizes that our obedience will be a blessing to our children? And our disobedience will cause sorrow and confusion. And then I love verse number 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. You know what that means? It basically means this. They get insight from God. Abraham was a friend of God. And others, a friend of God. And you can be a friend of God. You say, I can never be like an Abraham. Oh, do you know Abraham? He had some issues. And yet he, God called him the friend of God as he got those issues straight. You see, even as dads, we need to know how to deal with difficult people, enemies. We need to know what to do with our guilt and our burdens. And we, we, need, to know, we need to know what to do to get guidance from God that we need because our kids are coming up behind us and they're going to deal with some difficult people and they're going to need to know where to go for forgiveness and they're going to need guidance 
may God raise up another generation of Southwest Baptist Church right here. We'll say, by the grace of God, I want to live for him and be a man that fears the Lord. I'll close with this. <clears throat> Near Fort Campbell in Kentucky there, Army Captain John Rasmussen, he was running late for PT, and it was just raining cats and dogs. And it was near Memorial Day, and so a big long line of traffic, he was trying to get there, and suddenly the car in front of him just stopped. The young soldier got out. And went over as Memorial Day, so they had the small American flags there at every grave. But one of those flags had fallen. While that rain was just coming down hard, that soldier went out, picked that flag up, put it back in, and came to attention. And saluted. And got back in his car. He was holding up traffic, but that army captain was touched. Because while everybody else was going too fast to do anything about it, this young man saw there's something that's fallen that needs to be raised. Can I say to you today, the banner of the fear of God has fallen in America. And America's just flying on by. But how about we be the type of men that'll raise the banner high and say, I'm going to fear God and my family. And call my family to attention. To honor and fear the Lord. Men who Fear God. Let's stand together here this morning. Dear Lord, we need desperately your help <clears throat> as men. Here on this Father's Day, <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for placing this verse upon my heart and mind, and I think every man here would agree. We have personal struggles. Sometimes we try to hide them. But Lord, you know them and you know the guilt that we carry at times, regret. You know the guidance that we need and you know the enemy that is coming against us and your enemy and the adversary, the evil one. And a whole society this quickly moving away from the fear of the Lord. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be men. And I pray you'd help the ladies to be ladies who will honor you, reverence you, fear you, and thus know how to live. Help those maybe that are lost today, they're not saved. Would you help them to come that somebody might take the Bible and show them from Scripture how they too can trust you, I pray. In Jesus' holy name name. Amen.